Hello! Welcome back to Bloodthirsty Times. It's your boy, Will. I'm Octavio. And I'm Emily. And this week, we're going to talk about the Killdozer, which just passed its 18th year anniversary. Mm, two, four, eight, eight days ago? Yeah, it was really, really recent. June 4th. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... We're going to discuss what pushed a man so far over the edge he took out his revenge on a whole town. We'll grab your OSHA-approved safety vest and a hard hat because we're doing some demolition. And join us in these bloodthirsty times. Serial killers do on a small scale what governments do on a large one. They are a product of the times, and these are bloodthirsty times. Hello, my name is Marvin Hemeyer. Today is, uh, let's see here, April 13th, 2004. I am making this tape. I thought I should make it a year ago. Made part of it. Didn't like it. Really didn't think it would make any difference if I did make it, but a good friend of mine said I should make it. He said I should sit down in front of a videotape machine and do it, but you're just going to have to take my word that this is Marv Hemeyer, serial number 503-689-471. And uh, I'm living in Grand Lake, Colorado. And this tape is about my life since I came up here to Grand Lake in 1991. kind of eerie yeah it's, it is weird hearing that guy's voice considering what it's about to do oh yeah exactly he sounds like a very sane person that's yeah, so sane <laughs> so sane now on the morning of june 5th 2004 the residents of the small sleepy town of granby colorado awoke to the destruction left behind by marvin hemeyer's killdozer Marvin's rampage. Killdozer. Thank you. Yep. Marvin's rampage. Yeah, killdozer. Marvin's rampage would last for two hours, damage 13 buildings in total, but miraculously, no one was killed or seriously injured except Marvin. Yep. Now, what triggered his destructive rampage throughout the city of Granby? Well, that's what I'm here for. Let's take a deeper look into Marvin's life and the events leading up to his June 4th destruction spree. Marvin Hemeyer was born October 28, 1951 in South Dakota. He learned how to weld, uh, decided to open up his own business. He learned to weld while he was in the Air Force. Yeah, he was in the Air kinda, Force. Uh, mechanic, kind of jack of all trades. Yeah, he came, uh, became real good at it. Real, real yeah, good yeah. at it. Yeah, he had a real knack for, for welding, so... Decided he wanted to open up his own business, so he moved to Grand Lake, Colorado, purchased a couple acres of land for about 42000 in 1992, and then opened up his own muffler shop, Mountain View Muffler Shop. Um, real quick, uh, this is when he's in Granby? Granby, yeah. It's, uh, Granby and Grand they're like right next to each other. Yeah, okay, so uh, he'd already owned a muffler shop before this. This is in, uh, in first Dakota? Movie. Uh, wherever he was before is pretty close. I forget closer to Denver. Um, 
but yeah, he was up yeah, there and he had Grand, his own Grand Grand Lakes. No, no, no. This was not the same one that he built this thing in. Uh, mm. This is a whole different. Like, he had one before this. He had a business before this that he was getting like uh, money from. He had been uh, he like leased it out so they continued their muffler shop. But he it was his muffler shop, but he didn't work there. He just got money from it. Like you know what I mean? Like he the guy had yeah, bought it. Remember that? He was, the, he was the owner. Yeah, so the owner, but he wasn't the operator. So they, the guy, he sold it to this young guy. He uh, continued it, but that's how he moved to Granby anyway, was with the money from this shop. So he had a ton of money already. He had a monthly income from this shop that he wasn't even working at. So he had, he had already been like in business a couple times. I think this might have been, he worked for a muffler guy before, and then he made his own shop in another town. I forgot which one it is, but he had like passive income from it when he bought this land. For 42k and i can hear you through emily's mic i think oh can you yes mm. okay just barely we'll f- yeah we'll fix it we'll figure it out we'll figure it out okay um and so he opened mountain view muffler shop in granby he operated the shop successfully for we'll say successfully for 10 years mm-hmm. um and and most people of granby described marvin as an agreeable hard-working guy got his shit together Work yeah, hard. people liked him. Like, that's why he was successful. Yeah, had a lot of friends in in Granby. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if they were friends, but he had a lot of business, for sure. He says he, he says he had a lot of friends. Well, I guess he did because of the whole snow, snowmobile thing that you'll talk about. But um, yeah, he was super successful with his muffler business. Like the, every everyone in town went to him. Like he was really good at welding. Like muff, you know, they trusted him. Mm-hmm. Well, you can talk about the snow, snowmobile thing. You have more back intel than I do. Well, you didn't. You don't talk about it at all. No? Oh, well, yeah. he was... So, you know, Granby is this snow town, basically, this little village up in the mountains, like a lake. It's really, really fucking nice. I don't know if you've seen pictures of it, but really nice. It's got, like, a lake mm-hmm. that freezes over, and it's got, like, mountains all around it. It's this quiet mountain town, and he... One of the main things to do is to snowmobile. That was one of his favorite fucking things to do. He just loved going snowmobiling. So he had a group of friends called the Thursday Group, or the Thursday Team. I don't know. remember. The Thursday something. They would go every Thursday and just go snowmobiling together. Young kids old guys and he would just he would lead this group you know this was his group of guys that he put together to go snowmobiling and then he uh he would be you know since he's good at welding he would uh build these like makeshift bumpers for them out of like steel piping oh, and like put yeah. them around the snowmobile yeah. yeah he would put them around the snowmobile so that they could like get through things and like knock down trees if they have to on their snowmobile and so because of that they uh would trust him to do a lot of welding and shit and he really just he loved snowmobiling and he had this group of friends yeah so i guess you're right he had friends that would just go snowmobiling together all the time every thursday yeah you you bring up that story and it's like knocking some cop because i i watched this and it wasn't the the documentary on netflix that you guys watched tread yeah is what it was Mm -hmm. called yeah we watched tread um there was a different one that i had watched that um I couldn't find again. So when it came time to do this, of course I couldn't find that stupid fucking documentary again. Yeah. Um, and they, they talked about that. So you talking about, Oh, he welded bumpers. I'm like, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They were just like, he Remember formed, that? he fit them around the front of their, like he molded them to whatever kind of snowmobile they had. So they really came to trust him. Like this guy came up with like, he had a bunch of like, you know, inventions, I guess for the trail, like he had glove warmers that he made. He had, uh, you know, it's different things that he would like that. cook on or whatever. So yeah, he had, he had a bunch of stuff 
like I remember not, the bumpers, but like they yeah. were called Marv bumpers or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but he also like he just on the trail like that was his happy place. So he just invented things to make the trip better. You know what I mean? Like if your gloves got wet, he had this like contraption that you could put like over a fire and it dried off your gloves. So you know he was really by the younger people, especially he was really well respected. A lot of people liked him. He was an innovative, cool guy who just was really good at snowmobiling. He was a leader of the pack. You know, like even in even a snowmobile. Uh, community he would like literally if someone passed him like that'd be the last time they passed him that's what they said on documentary like if someone passed him it's just like hey that's the first and last time that's gonna happen i'm the leader of this pack you know yeah so yeah that was his thing that was his go-to happy place yeah and so he he had this plot of land a couple acres um and then surrounding his um his acreage was kind of just like open land um Mm -hmm. and there was uh, some people that were trying to uh, basically at auction, trying to uh, purchase the land and he kept outbidding them. Yeah. So um, I can go a little bit more detail on that if you want. Okay. So um, Cody Duchet, right? That's Duchef. the guy. Duchef. Duchef. Duchef, yeah. right. So that's the guy. So what happened with that land was that used to belong to Cody Duchef, Duchef and he had let it go and he figured he'll just buy it back because no one's going to bid on the land anyway. I don't think it belonged to him. It, no, it did. He, it didn't anymore, which is why it was up for FDIC. I don't think it ever auction. belonged to him. I don't remember that. It, it, it did belong to him before before it went up for FDIC. The guy had defaulted on it. and it Yeah, that's that's how went. Marv got his land. Yeah. Was through a, a, like a trust committee that... Yeah, the FDIC. Owns, is the, yeah, that right? owns the land when people default on like loans right. and stuff and they can't afford to So, so it had it. a... Before that guy was Cody... Dochev had owned it so that he was going to go buy it back for obviously pennies on the dollar because I think the property's worth $110,000 and um, he didn't expect anybody to go buy it so Cody Dochev came up with Gus Harris who was funding the thing and uh, so they brought like I think because you have to bring as much money as you have right so if you if you're trying to buy a property that cost $20,000 you got to bring 30000 just in case you know you got to cover the cost and then some if it goes up like if someone happens to bid on it. So Cody and Gus had only bought, brought with them about 38,000, right? That's all they had with them. And uh, with his, he, uh, Marvin had brought sixty-seven, sixty-eight thousand $68,000 with him, $66,000 around that ballpark with him because he had a partner who was, uh, I think the guy that he had sublet his muffler shop to in the other city might have been that guy but he had a partner so he's like they put their money together and he brought sixty six thousand, and so he ended up obviously outbidding uh dochev because he had a lot more money so he paid 42k for it and uh this is kind of what started the whole thing is that he outbid dochev on his own property this was his you know in his mind this is my fucking land and no he wasn't expecting anybody to bid on it it's a two two acre parcel and he it was right next to a piece of property that he wanted to use for his own business. So he was pissed off. And if you believe, which I kind of do on this point, this is one of the points I do believe I'm on. I, Marvin says that Dochev came up to him after the auction and was like telling him off. He was telling him, that's my fucking land, you know, you, you whatever. And even in the tapes, he calls him a fucking asshole because he was treating him like one. So that just kind of leads to the start of all of this property fight and what leads to marvin's day out yeah yeah so following all of that there was uh some more talks on uh purchasing the land and Mm -hmm. uh the first number that came out was 250k 
Marv's like, hey, I'll sell it to you for $250,000. And I said, great. And he's like, <laughs> price went up, 375 yeah. Guess he's what, like, chief? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not selling to you yeah. anymore. No, nope, 375 Yeah. And like, you know what's both? crazy is he agreed. Yeah, he's Doge like, was like, both times. Both times. He's yes. like, yeah, I'll pay for it. Sure. That's cool. literally six times the amount you paid for it. But yeah, I'll pay for it. Yeah, I'll take so, three seventy five. And then uh, finally, he's like, how about a mill? <laughs> nah. 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 As you could probably assume, Dochef laughed at the offer, decided to take a different approach to obtaining this property. Yeah, he did. So this is where the zoning commission comes in and uh, kind of the start of the end here for uh, Marvin. Well, before that... Um, so when he bought the property in 1992, he was told that he needed to connect to the sewer, the sewage drain, right? Because he didn't have one. He had like a, a makeshift, uh, like a, like a septic, a septic, septic yes, tank. Septic, septic tank. It was like it wasn't even an actual septic tank. It was this metal container that he would take and drop off in a field somewhere. So his actual it was shit was. Yeah. So like he was, he would just take it. I think it was connected to a truck even, and he would just take it and like drop it off into a field and his actual shit was in mixed in with the field and who knows what it seeped into anyways so he had this thing right and so they're like hey you have to connect to the thing so that was in 92 and they let him skate by for 10 years right they let him skate by for 10 years not doing it and then in like 2000 they finally were like hey you have to connect bro you have to connect and that's kind of where another, the second issue has started. He thought that they were like, you guys are fucking me over on this because it was going to cost him 60K at the low end and like 80K possibly if, because he needed um, like a, a lift station because he didn't it was have a one. Far connect too. Like, he yeah, had to it was go like, like a couple really hundred feet. feet. Yeah, it was really far. Yeah. <clears throat> but everything was like happening around the same time, like 2001 yeah. when this was yeah. happening. That's when they also were like, and I'll get into it about like dropping fines and stuff. And so yeah, everything was kind of snowballing uh, really quickly. So in 2001, the zoning commission and the town's trustees agreed to allow the Docha family to essentially build their concrete plant on the land that was adjacent to Marvin's muffler shop. Now this really pissed off Marvin because, um, the land that was going to be used for the concrete plant was also the quickest road from like the major uh, street. So it was like a, a shortcut to get to his um, muffler shop. And it was the biggest like egress into his shop mm -hmm. for the public. Yeah. Yep. So now that was gone. Like, okay, well now I don't have my road to get to my business. And now the public really doesn't have a road to get to my business. And so in the, in the doc, it, they do say that they brought up this point and they're like, no, he still had access. It wasn't the same one, but he still had a road to get to, like they could get to their shop. They yeah, didn't there were still, there were still roads. It wasn't like yeah. he was completely isolated. Yeah. Um, he, you might as well have told him that you are now isolated from yeah. everyone, but there were some alternate routes, just not as convenient as the one that cut through what is now the concrete plant. So, of course, Marvin starts appealing that decision. Um, he'd spend probably close to 100K of his own money to fund uh, an attorney to fight the zoning commission. Uh, 
which was unsuccessful. Yeah, that, that did. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie that that did fuck him on that one uh, because it wasn't just him. It where he where Dochev had bought the property was actually in a residential area, a zoned residential area. It wasn't even in a business residential area. I mean, a business zone. Well, it was going to be downwind from the residential area where he was buying property was actually business. You no, can see that on the zone. Yes, they're talking about the downwind and the septic area. They were going to share the concrete. It, it wasn't. Yep. It was residentially zoned. I've looked into this a lot, believe me. We'll it's residentially picks. zoned, and it was spot zoned for business. And that was illegal, but no one contested it in 30 days because they didn't tell anybody they were doing that. So anyways, that's one another aspect that he was pissed off about. But uh, Yeah, that's why the zoning commission was involved, because they yeah. rezoned. They spot zoned it. Yeah, they rezoned that that plot so that the concrete plant could go up. Yeah. So it wasn't just him fighting in court. Like he had, he finally got the residents riled up enough that they didn't want a concrete plant, all the dust and shit. So they, it wasn't just him. It was the residents as well. But eventually even they were just like, yeah, fuck it. They gave mm-hmm. up too. So he ended up fighting the fight on his own. Yeah. I, I've listened to, I didn't listen to all close to three hours of his manifesto. That's <laughs> uh, relatively long. We got is, some uh, yeah. some clips in here, um, but one thing too that he was talking about uh, and why he was upset is he felt that the concrete plant was being built there just as a big middle finger to him because his thing was like concrete plants like this and, and this size are normally like out in fields somewhere away from like the public and to put it this close to a town right next to me is literally like, this touching was a, his property. Yeah. This literally was literally a middle finger to me. And so he, <clears throat> he took it that way. Yeah. And even then like the road or the, because of, I talked about earlier, the um, sewage connection that he needed, it was, he had to go through their property to get to mm-hmm. it. So now that Kochev owns it, he needs an easement from them that he's not getting because they are, mortal enemies oh, they, at this point yeah dochef and them are not yeah. they're no, not it, friends yeah they so the big a big point of this is that he needs an easement from them to even connect right and then mm-hmm. that's still going to cost uh, up to a hundred thousand dollars you know what i mean a lot of money maybe hope, it might cost 60k depending on how it works out but it's probably going to cost about 100k and so he's like dude now now this guy owns a property next to me even though i fought it and it not good for the community but now i have to go through him get his permission this fucking dochev guy get his fucking permission to even get my sewage connected now so now it's a bigger issue now i need permission to do whatever i want to do yeah yeah he was not having a good time Mm -mm. um and in the beginning of the appeals um he kind of was playing ball a little bit it's like okay well at the minimum, can I just build a new road leading around the concrete plant to my shop? And prior to even asking about it, he went and purchased a dozer, a Komatsu D355A. Big ass bulldozer. It, it's he was going to do it like, himself. Yeah, it's like 13 feet high or 13 feet long, like 11 feet high or something. Like it's a, it's a giant machine. Big, yeah. It's very big. I bought it. But he almost like, purchased I'm a bigger one. Yeah, he he, almost, he purchased this as a D three five. He almost yes. fixed, purchased the D nine. Like he was like, man, I'm glad I didn't purchase the D nine, and we'll talk about why later. Yeah, so he he purchased this in the hopes that he would be allowed to build his own road. Um, 
they shot that down as well. Now this is when things get a little more upsetting for Marvin. This is when all the fines start coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was hit with a $2,500 fine um, for a multitude of violations. One being uh, keeping junk cars on his property because they were unsightly. Mm-hmm. But he owns a muffler shop. He's a mechanic. So he was like, well, yeah, they- this is kind of like, what am I supposed to do with them? I work on them. This is my this is my business. This is also Dochev's fault because he was keeping those cars spread out on the piece of land that Dochev brought. So when Dochev bought the property, he like pushed all the cars to the to the line, you know, the property line. So it just mm-hmm. looked like it was a pile of useless cars. So it just looked worse. Yeah. So they hit him with the fine for that and for not connecting to the sewage system. Yeah, for that, that, I'm sorry, for that, he was, they had warned him, they told him you need to connect to sewage system. But again, 80K is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. So he was like, I I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. So they told him, hey, if you're not going to do that, you're in violation of codes, you need to shut down. And every day you open your business without connecting first, we're going to charge you $100 a day, $100 a day to keep and he kept his business running. He kept doing it. So $100 every single day that he kept those doors open. Yeah, just to him, it's like, why are you doing all of this all of a sudden? Yeah, and because like I said, he bought it in 92 and this is 2000, 2001. So almost 10 years of not hooking up. And oh, actually, no, you know what? It is not all of a sudden. Dochev bought the property and he connected and he's a neighbor. So if a neighbor connects, by law, he has to connect. So yeah, that's, that's what, what that, and then that yeah. is it triggered. Ended up fucking him because now he's like i gotta go eight feet across this property line that he's not going to allow me to 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 tunnel under right because i need that easement from him and he's not going to fucking give it to me uh, yeah but yeah so yeah that's another way doja completely fucked him i agree with that i do agree that the whole system legally they're doing what so it's legally they're within their means right Mm -hmm. but you can just tell they're just like yeah we're gonna go ahead and connect because they know that means marv has to connect you know, so I was like, oh, I'm connecting. So I guess, Marv, you got to connect too, buddy. And yeah. it's just like. Well, the other point of contention was as they were um, building up the concrete plant, they shut off his utilities. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So he eventually paid the fine, not before riding cowards across it, before moving oh, yeah, the, it out. The de- Department of Cowards and Liars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And handed it to town hall or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's funny. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> Department of cowards and liars. So he was um, in a bind. He, he had he couldn't afford the eighty k, roughly eighty k, to properly connect. connect to the sewage system because he couldn't go underneath. So it was now like a going around type of thing. Um, and knowing that his small business essentially was all but doomed. Um, he began to lease his property to a trash company for some extra revenue. Um, and then several months later would actually end up selling the property for $400,000. Yeah. That's a good chunk of change, man. Mm-hmm. I, again, I don't, he, I don't think he was poor. I think he could have afforded this if he wanted to, because I think I heard in an interview with, um, one of the cops, um, the, the guy who jumped on the, on the Glenn Daniels, the guy who jumped on the dozer. Uh, I heard an interview no, with him. Um, no, that was um, 
Shoot, what's his name? I'll tell you. His I don't name. know, but you guys look it up, and I'll tell you what what I know Trainer. about him. So Glenn Trainer. Glenn Trainer, yeah, Glenn Trainer. So he had said that his net worth when he died, Marvin's was uh, about a million dollars. His net worth was. So he had money. He just, I think, at this point, it's just like fuck all of you, fuck mm-hmm. all of you, fuck your rules. I'm not doing it. It's just kind of like. Uh, at this point it was this like the principle that he was just not gonna yeah. bow down to them like he wasn't gonna do what they wanted thank mm-hmm. you principle that's that's the word i was looking for it's the principle of the matter no i'm not gonna pay your money no i'm not gonna do what you tell me fuck you i won't do what you tell me so yeah uh rage against worth a lot of money taught me anything well <laughs> i guess you, this I time the machine was raging yeah but yeah he like i said he still had that passive income uh for a long time and then he sold this property for 400k and he was still making money off the muffler shop. So he had money. And I think it wasn't about the cost. I mean, even though that would suck, it wasn't about the cost. It was about... I thought he sold the muffler shop too. No, this this one in... in he's talking about the previous one. Yeah, the previous. Yeah, the previous one. I think that guy had fucked him over at this point. And then another guy, the guy just like ghosted him. And then another guy took over who eventually goes to him too. But still, he had passive income. But anyways, uh, I was talking about like the, just connecting in general. Like he did sell the property and then to mm-hmm. the trash company. But yeah, yeah, I was talking about it before. You're right though. Yeah. So now after selling the property, he was given several months to vacate his now sold property. And this is when Marvin started to plot his revenge. Why? Well, if they... Hold on. If mm-hmm. they... They told him to leave like 18 months or something like, or like about a year. (laughs) Huh? Yeah. No, they they told him like a year to vacate the property because he was in violation. How is he allowed to stay there? That's a question I've always had. Like if they were out to get him and fuck him over so hard, you would think like they'd be knocking on this door with the sheriff like the next day. You know what I mean? I think the, um, the, who he sold the property to, he's like, Hey, I'm just going to, like you can use every. I'm just going to be in my. Oh yeah, what, what happened was like his, his like he has like a shed garage some layer. Yeah, yeah, workshop yeah, area. Yeah. He's like, I'm just going to be in there. Yeah, until no, what I happened was move that out. He, he's renting the space from right. the people he sold he's, the company he's to. Back renting, yeah, sold, so, yeah. So originally, the trash company came in and said, "We we want to lease the land." He's like, "Yeah, that's fine." He's like, "But we don't need that." that garage area you have or that work area so we'll just lease the land you can keep your garage he's like okay cool so he kept it and then when he sold it to him he back leased that same building since he knew they didn't need it and they're like yeah cool that's fine um you can keep it i don't get what that means back lease though he sold it to him and he just leased it back yeah, but why do you have to back lease like why don't you just lease i don't know government I part I don't know, but here know, we go. it's like more um, reverse mortgages. I hope that the people of Granby learn that the the way you punished me over the years that I was down there, and how you punished me, for the most part, turned me into a desperate man. And desperate men do desperate things. To recover a lot of times. So now he's a desperate man. With the plan for vengeance. I wonder if he was recording that while he was in his hot tub. Yeah, that, there were there were uh, 
numerous uh, recording places, VS Hot Tub being one of them. Uh, you could tell he was just like out walking around his property because you can hear traffic driving by. So he's just like some crazy person walking around with a with a recorder, which is pretty yeah, funny. He's... <laughs> the hot tub thing, he kept referencing that. It was really awkward to me, but... What, you never recorded yourself talking about stuff in a hot tub? <laughs> no, not not a no, full-on murderous manifesto. <laughs> yeah, the hot tub thing is actually a pretty big deal. That's where he got his first like epiphany that he was like, I'm going to fuck this town up. He was just sitting in this hot tub looking out of his side. He's like, yeah, this town's going to get fucked up. And that's kind of where it came to him. And then, oh yeah, we haven't even touched on the fact that God told him to do this. Yeah, his... his uh, he was, was a big a, everything a, happens for a reason, man. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, like, every- oh, my, my bulldozer fits into my garage by one inch. Yeah. It's a yeah. sign from God. On each side, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the, the <laughs> fact that he was able to sell the property for 400K, that's a sign from God. Uh, you know, the everything, every little thing that happened to him was like, yep, this is another sign from God that I'm meant to fuck this town up. So, yeah, he was sane. Clearly. Oh, definitely. I never said he wasn't or was. <laughs> You kind that of was did. never my point. My point was a man pushed to the edge. I do not know. I don't even believe he was. He had multiple, multiple chances to get out of. I mean, he could have sold the property for three seventy five to Doshev. He could have. I'd just uh, like to point out that we are on page three, and mm-hmm. we're debating it already. Oh, oh no! Yeah, no. The, the chunk of this episode is going to be the destruction. Oh, yeah, it's going to be the we're kind of skating over a lot of things, but I think the interesting part is the rampage. But no, I'm um, just pointing out that we're already debating it, and we haven't even really gotten <laughs> to like the meat of the story. Yeah. Well, what was what was I saying just now? Um, the epiphany in the hot tub. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so one of the things he's asked to do this by God. Everything happens for a reason. Uh, oh yeah, and like like oh yeah, what I was saying is that he had multiple options to get out. He could have sold it to Dochev for two fifty or three seventy five even, and made a ton of money. Still, I mean, 25K less than he sold it to the random guy. And then not only that, but when it came to them fighting, um, he had a lawsuit against them for, I forget what reason, but Dochev came up to him and said, hey, if you drop the lawsuit, we'll give you that easement. We'll allow you to run your line through there and at no cost to you. You pay for bare minimum, but the majority of it, of the connection, that's on us. We will pay for it. Just drop your lawsuit against us. And... Uh, Marv was like, uh, fuck yourself. So, he's um, a man of yeah. principle. Yeah, dude. So, at any point, and he keeps saying that if God wanted him to do this, there's signs like the, the, the bulldozer coming in, being able to buy the bulldozer, the bulldozer fitting in the fucking garage. Tons of shit is meant to be, but what about these signs that are meant for him to not do it? Like the easement, giving him the easement as long as he drops the lawsuit. Uh, doing it almost at no cost or pretty low cost. Um, being able to sell it to Dochev at a, at a reasonable price because he got it estimated a couple of times he's, and he kept going up in price. So, I mean, there were so many options and so many chances for him to just not be a dick. But where's the he's fun in that? Man. Yeah, he's just a man of principle. <laughs> it's like, why? He's a man on a mission. It's the principle. He's a man on a mission. It's all yes. about his principles. So now after uh, being told by God this is something he's got to do, has his epiphany and realizes the town has to pay. This is when he hunkers down in his workshop for about a year and a half. 
turning a very small portion of it into like very basic uh, living quarters, just like yeah, the he, bare bare minimums. Yeah, he never left that shop. He lived there. And yeah. you know what's funny is he had a, a little his entertainment. He watched um, was it Man on Fire? Was is that the Vin Diesel movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he watched that over and over again. Good. So that's, that, that'll that's get you exact revenge. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So he was sitting there welding up this behemoth and just watching Man on Fire. Surprised he didn't call his uh, killdozer Greasy Bear. As far as we know, we don't. He didn't call it anything. He never even called it killdozer. But mm, he called it the. Uh, M- he referred to it as the MK. Oh okay. MK. Yeah, I don't know. He had a, he, had a, he, had a, he referred to it as like the MK, I think is what he, he was calling it. I don't know. Yeah. He just had a name for but it. But yeah, he was he was living in that shop, eating mm-hmm. and sleeping. He had like a little hot plate. You, yeah, and, and Frank, he... Franks and beans. Yeah, and he had people actually visit uh, while he was there for that year and a half building um, his machine of destruction. Oh. He oh, had a lot yeah. of people like... I don't want to say a lot of people, but people visited... And you yeah. had them in there. They had no, yeah. Bulldozer. Oh, yeah the insurance company came to like assess the buildings to and, continue the insurance, and he just had a tarp yeah. up, and they were like, yeah. he's like "I'm testing it's a some sign from God air yeah. solutions or problems or whatever." And they're oh, like, yeah, "Okay, it's a sure." Experiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if I would have found it, then I would have stopped. Oh yeah, yeah. You would have stopped for sure. It's a sign from God. Exactly. <laughs> Now, apart from that little bit of living quarters, the rest of that workshop was used to armor up his bulldozer. And again, being an expert welder, Marvin had built a superstructure over the cab of his killdozer and covered it with half-inch steel plating and a lot of it. Yeah, so he he had that half-inch plate... To the, I don't know if you ever like because I work on navy ships. I deal with steel all the time. It's thick. It's it's tough. It, it, for even for me to burn through with my torch, it, it takes a hot minute. It, it takes a while, a lot of heat. So even just one half inch plate would have done a lot. But oh yeah, he yeah. used a lot because <laughs> then he then welded a second series of steel plates over the cab, leaving a gap um, about four to six inches between them, and then filled it with concrete. Jesus. He clearly steel, had a lot of time and plans. Concrete, oh, yeah. He had a year steel. and a half. <laughs> yeah, he had a year and a half. And so, yeah, uh, so it's apparently unlimited plate. funds. Yeah. See, that's what I'm telling you. He had a ton of money. So mm-hmm. he had steel plate on top of what's already there, that much concrete, and then another steel plate. That so, is not. Wait, that's not four half four to six inches. inches. Yeah. Oh, I mean, between. Okay. It just yeah, comes gotcha. naturally to me to do that. Yeah. Just automatically it's four to six inches um so yeah, yeah. and there was oh parts of, of the machine that it was a foot thick his armor mm-hmm. um essentially making it uh impenetrable to bullets and explosives which they will, yep. they, will they will find out later they, explosives we'll didn't, find didn't, out. Do, yeah. didn't, do, didn't do shit um and then again covered the rest of the exterior in that steel plating so he was just Steel, steel, concrete, steel, steel. Lots of plating. Yep. He also outfitted his killdozer with shooting ports. So he had three what, shooting though? ports. Huh? Outfitted his what? Outfit. Killdozer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. And uh, he added in three shooting ports. So he had a 50 cal Barrett. Jesus. It was in the front. 
No, it's in the very uh, back. The 50 cow? Yeah, 50 cows. So he had his uh, Mini 14 in the back. Mini 14 is on the right side. Hmm. All right. Different sources. Mm. They said the 50 cow was in the front. Okay. In any case, he had a 50 cow pointing out the back. We'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a uh, Mini 14 and then mm-hmm. a, um, a FN. It's like a French AR. Not like FN, the... FNC, NATO. That's like um, Zero's gun, right? The 3000? I think so. I don't know much about NATO guns. Yeah, I don't either. It's referred to it as a FN, FNC, NATO. Assault rifle. But yeah. Had, so he had three, essentially, uh, long rifles. Yeah, was that, uh, that one's 5.56, five, right? I believe so. Yeah. Oh my God, and are the, you guys talking about video games now? Well, no, that's how we know about guns. <laughs> yes. That's, that's how we know about guns, but <clears throat> no. We're talking about his actual guns, and then he had the Mini 14. Yeah, the Ruger that Mini was, 14. Was that chambered in 603 or 30-0? Okay, moving on. He had guns sticking out of holes. There we you go. Got, it's, it's important what guns. kind of guns they are. You got me on the Mini 14. It's a big, it's a... Uh, it's a hunting pretty, rifle type thing. Yes. It's not a hunting rifle, but it looks like a hunting rifle. Anyways... It's converted. It was a World War II gun converted for civilian, quote unquote, civilian use. I mean, shooting and then people he brought, and things. Yeah. I mean, not And then people. he brought with him, uh, he had a trusty 357 Magnum and a 9mm. Mm-hmm. Whatever reason. He had in a case they mil. got in. In case they got in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he didn't sure. actually know how well it would hold up. He he even said that like either I'm gonna go all day or they're gonna find a way inside. <coughs> so he didn't actually know. So he was prepared for any occasion. Oh yeah, he was in the manifesto. He's like, hey, if I'm you know if something falls on me and I die, he's like, this is a testimony to just say how in like invested I am in the revenge on this town. He's like, if yeah. I if I survive, if I drive out there and 30 seconds later I'm dead because I'm gonna have a heart attack because I'm all amped up or they blow me off the road. Yeah, they're gonna know that I was hell bent on destroying this town. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Man so apart the from plan. the guns, uh, he rigged up three cameras around his dozer, uh, and then protected them with three-inch bulletproof plastic, and then actually fed in some air lines so he could blow off any dust and debris uh, that could possibly block his cameras. I, I just gotta say, holy shit! This dude thought of everything. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. He had, on top of that, he had an air conditioning unit that he had kind of oh, like yeah, run yeah. through. So yeah, he, it was like an 800 pound get, condenser he added to so the you couldn't, dozer. And even though he had like the vent at the top, you couldn't directly get to his air source. So like it was mm-hmm. like, it was maneuvered in a way that you couldn't directly hit it. And he just, dude, this guy thought of fuck. I honestly thought of fucking everything. Well, yeah, he had 18 he, months he had year, to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, about a year and a half year to and perfect half. his his machine. But even a year it's and a half, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think, or I mean, obviously, I don't have the skills to do this. He's obviously an expert welder, and he, I mean, I don't know, man. He, I, I don't agree with the dude, but the dude was, he, he built a badass machine, dude. He, he mm-hmm. did. He built a badass machine. As much as I disagree with him, holy shit, this thing is incredible. Yeah, it's, it, he thought of a lot of things, um, and I go into a little bit more um, on some of the other quote unquote features, but. Um, I mean, he was checking off all all the checks on that checklist. Okay, he was. Now, finally, on June 4th, 2004, his machine was ready for vengeance. 
He sat in the cockpit and then lowered down the armored shell around him with a crane, knowing full well that once the armor was dropped, he had no way of getting out. There wasn't a hatch to get out. Everything was sealed up. He dropped it on top of the bulldozer. Yeah, he dropped it down and he uh, bolted it shut. I missed that part. I was wondering how the hell he got in. Yeah, yeah he had a, an access port at the top, right? He had an access port at the top. And so when he got in, he bolted it all completely shut and there was no way to access it from the top. So there's no handle. There's nothing to pull on. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's just, uh, when he's in, he's was... in. Yep, he's in. Okay. Yeah, basically sealing his own casket at this point. And now the rampage begins. Marvin had a list of targets that, quote-unquote, had done him wrong in the past, and he was out to punish them, starting with his neighbor, Cody Docheff, and their concrete plant, which was the Mountain Park's concrete. Marvin comes blasting out of his shed and starts heading directly towards the concrete plant at around 2 p.m. that Friday. I always just, thought that was dope. He didn't even bother with doors. Nope. He just went straight through the corner right of the it. building. Yeah, like... Can I'm you imagine? I've always I picture this like if you were close enough, you could hear that thing crank up. Yeah, and him probably rev it a few times. You know what I mean? Just yeah. kind of like here we that? go. Like if you're, I don't think you could hear because no one obviously no one heard it until it was coming at them. But if you could hear like right next to it, just like and then just that video. If you watch the guy on his bike going through the town, and he has the sound playing while he's driving the bike, oh, so it yeah. kind of looks like he's driving. Kind of looks like he's the it's yeah. so damn loud. Yeah. So yeah, like I just freaking picture bulldozer. Him. <laughs> yeah i just picture him like just in there like here we go just give it a few revs yeah. you know and then and then just go you know what fuck it fuck this wall he yeah just, just bust out of his own his own garage his own shed his own well, shed the door anymore. no no he wasn't for sure at all but it's just the thought like you know what i'm not even gonna open the fucking door yeah. just go <laughs> fuck this wall i don't fucking need this thing anymore <laughs> yeah so he blasts out of that and beelines it straight for the concrete plant and first target was the administrative and garage buildings that were directly south of the shed. He repeatedly rammed into it, causing the center of the building's roof to collapse inward. Now, Cody Docheff was there, reportedly tried to fight hard. He jumped in his own uh, uh, loader. Oh, yeah, there's and, footage of this. Yeah, and it oh, attempted to block. Yeah, there's a there's a couple because there's some we talk about later some earth movers that come into play, but yeah, yeah. Um, he tries to uh, block him from destroying his property, which it didn't work out. And then once he realized it wasn't working, got out and started getting shot at by uh, Marvin. So he fled. That that part's actually pretty intense. He takes his front loader or whatever it's called, and he tries to get under it and like yeah, lift and it flip up, it. like flip it but what happened was it's so heavy this machine i forgot how much it weighs it's like a couple like 30 tons or something like that or i don't know how much it was yeah i think it but, went uh, yeah they, they did a comparison of what it, the it added like 16 tons onto it with all that that concrete that steel extra, yeah so he so dochev comes in like sideways tries to lift him with the basket thing and he ends up like lifting the back two wheels off because his machine is so heavy and and at this point honestly i don't think marv even realizes that he's being attacked by another fucking machine he doesn't even realize it because it, it's like nothing to him he doesn't he just keeps moving keeps on trucking and so dochev is in this machine and he ends up like lifting up the thing and then he like snaps and he in the cockpit, it launches him forward, and he gets knocked out by the front glass. Like he hits his face on the oh, front shit. of the of the dozer, so he, it knocks him out. And he's right next to this machine, and then that kind of that movement alerted 
Marv at this point, like, oh shit, someone's trying to fuck with me. So he takes his 50 cal and shoots into the front loader of of Dochev's machine. And that wakes um, Dochev up because yeah. he's knocked out cold. A so 50 the, cal going off like, next to you will wake you dude, up real yes, quick. Yes, dude, like three feet from your face. Yeah, it's, and it hits like eight times. And he just ricochets off the thing. And it wakes him up and he backs up as fast as he could. Like, well, I guess I'm out. But then other people try to take like steel rebarb. Uh, right? That's what it's called? Rebar. 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 So rebar. And they tried, like, they're like, okay, let's put it in the tracks. Because that's obviously the weakest point. That's the least least uh, defended. Armored, yeah. Yeah, least armored. So, like, let's put this in there and nothing. The, the, oh, the tread just kept it. on going. Oh, yeah. The tread just kept it, like up. nothing, dude. And so they're like, well, I, we tried. <laughs> we tried. Yeah. So they just kind of stood back and watched. And then at this point, when he's in this, uh, this, uh, the concrete plant he destroys the only cop car that was known to be destroyed uh and that was glenn glenn trainer's car <laughs> yeah the undersheriff yeah that was his car and it's the only cop car that was in service that was destroyed that day what is he called who the undersheriff glenn trainer what is that under sheriff he's under the sheriff he's not the sheriff he's the undersheriff okay makes sense never heard of it Deputy sheriff is what I was thinking, but okay. Sure. Call me under sheriff. <laughs> right? So, yeah. <clears throat> we'll go with that. So now, under sheriff Glenn Trainer said the first reports of the rampage reached the Grand County Dispatch in the form of three 911 calls that came in almost simultaneously at about 2.20 p.m. One of the callers reportedly said that a bulldozer is tearing down Mountain Park's concrete. So now deputies Jim Cracker and Rich Garner responded immediately to the scene, followed by three troopers of the local office of the Colorado State Patrol. Dave Batura, Jack DeSanti, and Mike McGinley. The names don't come up again, so it's not important. Yeah. The only one is tra- trainer is the most important. <clears throat> He's like yeah. the, the superhero in this, yeah, he in is. this story. <laughs> I got to give it to him. That shit was ballsy. Yeah, he's a badass. So trainer, along with a uh, lieutenant and another deputy, John Lynch, also responded to the concrete plant. And on the way to the scene, uh, they were in the sheriff's office in Hot Sulphur Springs nearby. Trainer said Batura radio dispatch with a report of automatic weapons fire coming from the armored bulldozer. By the time he reached the scene, Trainer said the bulldozer had moved on to the Mountain Parks Concrete's batch plant located about 200 yards west of the now heavily damaged administrative building and was working its way counterclockwise around the building, tearing out its walls and doing heavy damage to the inside. The officers on the scene then opened fire with some M14s and AR15s, doing jack shit. Um, Doing nothing. 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 Uh, They try to aim for these portholes. So, uh, like just little viewing, like small little viewing holes. Mm -hmm. Um, But these viewing holes, so they're about three by six. Uh, but were covered with several sheets of uh, three-quarter inch thick laxin. So it's a, a it's like bulletproof. Lexan? Yeah, laxin. Laxin? Lexan? Lexan. I think it's Lexan. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's, yep. base, it's bulletproof plastic. It's not glass. Like laminated plastic. Um, and uh, nothing. Didn't do shit. Everything was armored. So when the shooting began, trainer said the bulldozer turned and went directly towards a stock of concrete road barriers where a couple of the state troopers were sheltering behind. 
Now, fortunately, the troopers were able to escape before the bulldozer then knocked the barriers over. Uh, trainer said he had no doubt that they would have been killed had they stayed there, which I, I, I agree. This, this they reminds would me. Yeah. Oh, are you going to do the Austin Powers thing? It reminds me of Austin Powers. Like, I think, I think every single speed. thing I've ever heard, everything I've ever heard about this is like, you remember that scene in Austin Powers? That's yeah. what it would be like. Every single person has said this. Yeah, it's Wait, going what? at, it's essentially traveling at walking. It's max speed was like seven, seven I think, and a half okay. miles an hour. Oh yeah. But that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was armored. So now it's like, so heavily on that. Now it's like yeah. five miles an hour, four miles an hour. Maybe it's like walking four, speed. Four or five. It, it's four or five miles an hour of non, you can't stop this machine though. So it's four or five oh, yeah. miles an hour of, a train in, in coming unstoppable, at you. Unstoppable, unstoppable, thirty whatever tons. So yeah, but yeah, every every single thing I've ever heard about this tells that Austin Power joke because it's so obviously that's what it is. It's like get out of the way. Yeah, it's move. coming for you. It's like coming real slow. Yeah. They're hiding behind this thing. I wonder how they got out of the way in time, dude. It's going. It's, it's inching towards you. Yeah, it's someone walking towards you. <laughs> Basically, get although it's big way. and scary. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so now after knocking over the barriers, he then, uh, aimed his, uh, his killdozer towards a, Oh, you're ready for it (laughs) towards the, uh, the police vehicles that had showed up on scene, um, and only striking trainers Ford expedition. Yep. The only, the only active, the only active, uh, service vehicle to be destroyed. Yeah. And he got got flattened, flattened. It ran, ran the fucking thing over. Um, turning eastward, Marvin then crashed through a concrete barrier along the property line of the muffler shop. Turning south, cutting through uh, an eastern berm, drove across the levees or the levers gro- <laughs> the words yeah. levers grocery stores parking lot, and then reached Highway 40. As the bulldozer was driving through the parking lot, trainer decided going into action. He ran up and somehow climbed up to the top of this 13-foot-tall bulldozer. He was able oh, yeah, to do was... this even though Marvin had greased the exterior of it. Yeah, cause... that's what I was about to say because people had tried before this and they're, they're like, they get like two or three feet up and then just slide back down. I don't, yeah, even, they... I don't know what he used. Gochev tried to climb the little hook on the back. The yeah, he still beginning. slid off. Yeah, so again, he thought of everything. He greased the shit out of the, the exterior so no one could climb on trainer found a way i think it, from what it looked like i think he got on top of a roof and jumped over it's what it looked like from the footage but i, I could be wrong but that's what i that's when i was watching the footage that's what i thought he did it looked like there was like a when he drove by or stopped in front of a building it looked like he got on top of the roof and like jumped over because it's probably only like a two foot jump because it's so fucking tall mm-hmm. yeah huh. so he's on board mm-hmm and with train trainer clinging to the top of the bulldozer, I uh, started going eastward on Highway 40, uh, which in the town of Gransby, it's its main street. It's called Agate Avenue. Okay. Agate. Agate. Yeah, Agate. Tomato tomato. Agate. Yeah. Avenue. <laughs> I don't live there. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jerry Train or uh, Jerry Trainer, that's an actor. Uh, Glenn Trainer said. When I got to the top of the dozer, I immediately noticed the barrel of the 50 caliber semi-automatic rifle that Hemeyer had pointed out of the rear of the vehicle. Trying to find a way to disable the vehicle, Trainer spotted a rectangular metal box in the front of the vehicle, which he thought might be its radiator. 
and then proceeded to shoot half a dozen rounds into it. No effect. I can and just picture him just at the, just like riding a bull. It's like, fuck it, just you know, <laughs> pop, pop, just yeah. six shots into this thing. Just like, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to shoot whatever I can. Yeah. Just like riding a bull at the top. Yeah, he was yeah. he was dumping rounds into this thing, which thought was its radiator. Then learned to find out it was the air conditioning unit. Yeah. That was armored. <laughs> yeah. Got it did nothing. Racy. Did nothing. Kind of hot in these rhinos. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that, that's a good one. No one's compared it to this yet. Yeah. This is the first time I've heard it. Yeah. Man. <laughs> His Ace AC Ventura? goes out. Then he has a little yeah. fan in there. And the fan, fan goes out. And he goes, tick, tick, tick. <laughs> Warm. How do you guys remember that shit? We, every oh, movie, so long. yeah. I, my brain is full of mem- uh, My brain is full of movie quotes. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Just fills my time with movie quotes and funny scenes. <laughs> so now the rampage continued as Marvin turned his tank, quote unquote tank, killdozer. Back onto Highway 40, driving another hundred yards, and then turning left onto Zero Street, which goes past the U.S. Post Office. The next target of Marvin's revenge was the Granby Town Hall, which also houses the Granby Library. Driving across the intersection, uh, Marvin drove into the town's lawn and plowed into the west side of the building, tearing off much of its facade. With falling debris coming down on top of his perch atop the vehicle, because remember, trainer's still on top. As his, oh, yeah. As I his forgot about that. bulldozer's going into, a, <laughs> going into a freaking building. I genuinely um, forgot. He had one desperate last attempt to try and stop uh, Marvin. Uh, He saw the front porthole and then dumped his remaining 12 rounds of ammo and then jumped off to the grassy grassy lawn below. And again, he was shooting straight into that that Lexan. Yeah, no effect. You know what's crazy, though, is if you watch the footage, like on Tread, it shows it a lot. They do a really good job. They have a... Uh, a lot of footage of it, but the police are shooting at this thing the whole time. Aren't they worried about ricochet? Like so many bullets coming at this thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't understand how that works. Like there were, I mean, huge different. Yeah. The SWAT team was like walking behind it the whole time. Yeah. So also the one thing we didn't talk about was uh, I forgot the cop's name, but um, he saw what he was doing to Dochev's, a dozer and so he got out of his vehicle with his shotgun you can see this on the footage he got and he like stood in front of it saying stop the vehicle right now <laughs> with his shotgun oh that was the investigator listening at home from home wasn't it or a different town sheriff oh yeah yeah and that he was came, the guy that came and he's in. like i got a surprise for you and he like look, he's like look in the back and it's like oh this no big no, no. Ass- that 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 happens a little that happens about yeah. right now in the story um, coming up, but no, I'm talking about like when he was at the concrete plant. You can see a footage of a guy jumping out of his his oh, yeah. cruiser with a shotgun, standing in front of it, just like <laughs> pointing it at it, like stop it right, stop this bulldozer right now, and just yeah. <laughs> the stern voice is gonna stop. Like, him. like don't. I'm not laughing at the cop because that's a ballsy thing to do. But I don't. What do you? What is that gonna do, dude? Like, bro, you, look at this thing. Look at it. What are you going to do with the shotgun and yourself? What, this isn't Tiananmen Square, bro. Like, calm down. Yeah, you're not stopping this thing. So after discharging the remaining 12 rounds of ammo, he jumped off and landed in a, a, the grassy lawn below. And then, uh, again, tried to fire directly into the porthole to attempt to hit the driver. 
I saw the plexiglass covering it and hoped that if I discharged enough rounds into it, I could finally penetrate it. Trainer said. I thought it was the best possible way to hit him. Trainer eventually used a total of 37 rounds in the attempt to break through the Lexan plexiglass. Although he broke through some of the plexiglass sheets, he could not completely penetrate it. I kept a dozen rounds in case Hemeyer decided to stop and exit the vehicle so that I could defend myself, Trainer said. A deputy threw a flashbang stun grenade up to me and I threw it down its exhaust pipe. It blew up, but it had no effect on the operation of the vehicle. Kind of a ballsy thing, too. Yeah, it is also ballsy. This is what I was talking about with uh, he thought of everything because it wasn't a direct port. There was like angles, you know, into going into the machine. So you weren't even if you threw it directly into the port, it's, it's not going to do anything. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you heard the bang go off, but yeah, that's about it. Just yeah. imagine there being those police officers standing outside the thing, and they've thrown those in there and like shot it up, and he's not stopping, and they're like, "What the fuck?" Like they truly thought at one point that it wasn't even being like it wasn't. Oh yeah, being operated by a person that he was like watching from somewhere, just driving it, like a computer or whatever. Oh, yeah. There wasn't that Doe Chef who was like, he's up in the hills. I know it. It's yeah. got to be He Meyer. He's up in the hills. He's controlling this thing with the remote. He's up in the hills. I, I know it's He Meyer. And it's, yeah, they figured yep. out pretty quickly. He was in there the whole time. <clears throat> now, about 300 yards down the highway, Marvin started to swing the armored bulldozer into the Mountain Park's electrical parking lot, clipping the southwestern corner of the building near its garage doors. He proceeded down the parking lot to the main entrance door of the building where he crashed into the reception area and destroyed the whole front of this fucking building. Yeah, his plan of attack wasn't... You can't just go straight into it with a bulldozer. You'll get, like, bogged down. So he would take out, like, the side walls of buildings. He would go scrape along the whole side of it and, like, go back around, scrape the other side. So, like, it would collapse. The main supports would be gone. So he wouldn't, like, go straight into it and demolish it. And actually, when Emily and I were watching the documentary... He kept saying that they leveled it, but he didn't level a single building. I I think aside from the the other family, um, the famous family in that town. Thompsons. The Thompsons. He didn't level any of their property either. Just just their mother's house, I think. No, not even then, huh? He didn't level it. Yeah, so every story I've ever heard of this is like, he leveled these houses, but really, like, he brought down a few but he didn't level anything. He brought down the walls. He like, like brought down the fronts of them and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. he took down the walls But also that's why sure. I kind of feel like he didn't really want to kill anybody. He just wanted to like fuck shit up. I don't know. On that front, if if a bunch of cops were to like stand in front of him trying to get him to stop, do you think he would stop? I don't think he would stop. No. no I don't think he would stop. I'm just saying like I don't feel like, well, one, they're idiots if they're not going to get out of the way because well, he's like, for like example, 10 miles an hour at When you talk about – yeah. I'm with the armor is like four miles an hour, <laughs> so it's even worse. But uh, with uh, with the, like the town hall and the city library, like in the basement of the of town hall was a daycare, and he ran over like he ran over the uh, ran over outside the swing set. Yeah, he ran at the playground exactly. He ran that over. I'm, he, he knew there was no one there, but if some, I think he was okay with collateral damage. You know, what I mean, if, if someone didn't get out of the I building, I feel like time, he knew that there would be no collateral damage because he's going four miles an hour. So if you don't know about it already, then that's your own damn fault. I, I mean, probably, but it, I, again, at the same turn of thought, I was like, yeah, I'm going so slow, you have time to get out. But if you're still in there, that's on you, dog. Yeah, so he's thinking no one's stupid as he is going to still mm. sit in there. I think yeah, he's 100% okay with having some deaths. I think he was. 
Yeah, they hadn't warned <clears throat> the residents yet. So if you're on the other side of town, you have no idea this is going on. Oh no, they Which did because there were there were kids in, there were kids in the library that got out. They like had to run out the back. Yeah, they did <clears> save yeah. it, and they grabbed it, all of the kids from the daycare in the basement, and all that kind of stuff. So was it after he took down town hall that they did a reverse phone call mm-hmm. with the, the police? Doing the reverse nine one one system. Yeah, telling you, what, did they tell him to hunker down because that doesn't make sense? That was evacuate. No, they told him to get out. Oh, okay. Yeah, to evacuate. I, I, if they had told him like, hey, hunker down, don't go outside. Like, no. Go outside. Yeah. Yeah, Watch it drive by you. You can outrun this thing. Stay in the building. Do not stay in the building. That'd be the the worst thing you could do is to stay inside. The only disaster we want you to leave your building. Yeah. Yeah. So after crashing into the uh, electric building, they uh, they were kind of figuring out like why is why did he attack this building? Like they were like what. But then they figured out, oh, two of its employees are former Granby Town board members. So that's mm. why. Yeah. So he's specifically hitting <clears throat> certain buildings to everybody who's done him wrong. Yes. Now, Marvin continued eastward another 100 yards to the office of the Maple Street Builders and using the plow of the bulldozer, pushed the company's pickup truck straight through the front of the office. And as Marvin started working over the town hall, more deputies started to arrive on scene, uh, including Sergeant Norm Rimmer, leader of the Ground County's um, sheriffs, the, the SWAT team. Yeah. So now he began organizing further attempts to disable the, the bulldozer, while uh, another deputy, Jim Campbell, activated the reverse 911 emergency telephone system. So basically just calling all the residents, telling them to evacuate. Soon, a number of other deputies arrived on scene to try and stop this madman. Grand County Sheriff's Investigator Leo Pichoki. Yeah. Sure. Also arrived to assist Marvin. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. Um, also arrived to assist. Marvin then worked his machine around the rear of the building, ruining the playground, tearing down some trees. And then, while pivoting the bulldozer, drove back across the west side of the town hall and then turned eastward onto Jasper Avenue. He left the, uh, the main entrance of the town hall undamaged. He just did like the backside and stuff. Yeah. However, he was not finished with the destruction of the town hall. He then swung his dozer into the parking lot on the east side of the building where it crushed and mangled three Granby town vehicles and then tore into that side of that building. Now, by the time he turned the bulldozer back uh, eastward onto Jasper, the town hall was very heavily damaged with its roof bowed inward at its center. So again, taking out um, like major uh, structural support. So it's like collapsing the, the roofs in. Yeah. <clears throat> That's how a lot of them kind of looked. Yeah, it did. Like, again, when we heard this story and before we saw it, uh, it sounded like he just went straight through and like just demolished everything. But I guess he was really like, he thought it through with taking out the side walls and the front walls and, and not just going straight in. Yeah. You could see him like taking out the corners cause he knew clipping the corner. That's two major support structures that you're kind of wiping well, out. You have to think about it. He also knew that he couldn't just drive straight into these buildings because then the buildings would inwardly collapse on top of him and he may not be able to get back out. So he had to stay on the outsides of the buildings, just doing the fronts or the sides. It's also true. That is true. 
Um, he drove a block eastward on Jasper to the intersection of First Street, where he turned right and headed towards the intersection with Agate Avenue, where the town's only stoplight is. Before entering the intersection, he veered to the left, crashed into the entrance pillars of the Liberty Savings Bank, and then backed up and knocked over a fire plug, so like a fire hydrant, uh, and then damaged the spotlight, um, stoplight, which ceased to function. He knocked out their only... Oh no! So the yeah, only traffic really, light didn't really cover that, but yeah, this is like a one-horse town, man. This was like nineteen hundred oh, people live here. Yeah, it's like nineteen hundred people live in this town. So it's a very. It almost, I think, a lot of people say that it lends to why he did this because this is kind of like a small town feel where everyone knows each other, and he's an outsider. He came mm-hmm. in and bought this property out from under them. This is this belongs to the people of the town, and the Thompsons, the Dochevs, they they're royalty here and you kind of don't fuck with their money and so that's a lot of people say that that's that lends to a lot of why he did this because he was an outsider and the community just you know didn't take too kindly mm-hmm. so after uh taking out the front pillars of liberty savings um he swung right across uh agate avenue onto the sidewalk passing some numerous other um buildings not doing any damage to them he ran over a couple aspen trees um and during its travel from the town hall to where it is now the deputies and troopers attempted to shoot up its hydraulic system on the underside of the vehicle they used their shotguns with barricade penetrating projectiles as well as double lot buckshot in a desperate attempt to shoot out the vehicle's quote-unquote portholes all to no avail but again marvin was already one step ahead of him because he fortified the hydraulic systems and most major yeah. components of his killdozer, including, and we'll get to it when it finally comes to an end, but um, he fortified the, um, the intercoolers, uh, the radiator, everything. And uh, Glenn Trainer said, we used everything we had. Didn't work. Now, deputies and state troopers sped ahead of Marvin to clear Granby's main street of traffic and warn store owners and customers to evacuate. Swiveling his bulldozer back onto Agate Avenue after damaging the bank, he drove down the center of the street for about three blocks until he reached the Sky High News newspaper building. He did not like them. No, one person in particular. Yeah. So the uh, an editor slash publisher, Patrick Brower, that's who you are talking about earlier, Um, and Winter Park Manifest editor Harry Williamson were still inside the newspaper building after being alerted of the bulldozer's rampage. They remained there to snap photos of the rampage and were surprised when the armored bulldozer suddenly changed its course from the center of the street to slam directly into the front of the newspaper building. They were then forced to exit the building through its back doors, and Marvin continued to just back up, slam into the front, back up, slam into the front and then tore a swath of destruction along its east side, with the northeast side of the building eventually collapsing. He moved into the parking lot alongside the building and tried to punch a hole in a southeast corner of the building, but was apparently blocked when he ran into the printing press, which is securely bolted to the floor in the rear of the building. That heavy-duty... Yeah, it's a heavy-duty printing press that could be yeah. taken down by yeah. old Marv's killing machine. Yeah. And then after failing that, he just uh, took off, not before just damaging three vehicles. Like, fuck these cars. Yeah, he... He, the he took out the apartment complexes. 
cars uh, cars yeah. next door yeah that's what i was about to say that it was right next to an apartment complex and actually the building that used to be sky high is more apartments now but it's like a little parking lot and he did like a yui and when he turned around to get out he just went straight through the three cars that were parked there like fuck these cars yeah I give a shit get out of my way i thought that they rebuilt it no they it's apartment complex now hmm. or they added to the one that was there so instead of being sky high it's apartments but, you know, the the beef with Patrick Brower, I'm not really sure was even beef. Like, I think they were supposed to run a – Patrick was supposed to run, like, a, a spot on him and his muffler business. And – No, he wanted to do an interview, and he gave him the spot, the $200 picture or whatever in the ad. Yeah, yeah. He gave him a $250 free was, ad because they, they kept missing get together. together. To do the interview. Right. So he was supposed to do an interview, I think, uh, to introduce about what's him to going the on with the city. No, about what's going oh, on, about how okay. Marv was pissed off with the city, about doing the shit with the sewage and all of that stuff. So Patrick didn't want to run this story. Marv was pissed because Patrick kept blowing him off so they could never get together to do the story. So Patrick mm-hmm. then in return for blowing him off to not want to do that story is he gave him the ad, which was $200 for free, and Marv was still pissed off. So he was yeah. still on his hit list. In Marv's mind, he kept they kept missing each other on purpose. Like Patrick knew when he wouldn't be in his shop because, you know, he would be out snowmobiling all the time and he'd just be gone. So Patrick would come when he wasn't there and Marv felt like he was doing it on purpose to not run the story. So he was mad at Patrick Brower for fucking him over on that. So the building's got to go. Marv then uh, returned to Agate Avenue and started driving eastward, driving about another block to the intersection of 6th Street, um, as he drove across, he drove across the front of the XL Energy Building, and then headed directly for his next target for his revenge: Thompson and Sons Excavating, the family business of former Granby Mayor Dick Thompson. Although Thompson had died three years ago, that did not stop Marvin from taking revenge by completely demolishing Thompson's home next door which was still being lived in by his 82-year-old widow, Thelma, and their two daughters. And before mm-hmm. leaving the property, he turned on the XL Energy Service and office building. Before he was done, his dozer had completely mangled one of the company's pickup trucks and caved in the front of the building. Is this the building where he just tossed the truck into the front? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one with the, yeah. the big red E or whatever. You could see the yeah. trucks like in half. As Marvin worked over the Thompson and XL buildings, a couple more heroic attempts were made to stop the rampage. Driving a huge county-owned earth mover, <clears throat> if you're not familiar with the earth mover, it's those uh, big-ass tractors that has dirt in the middle, and it kind of levels areas that can drop off dirt. Things are huge. And uh, it was being driven by Grand County's road and bridge director, Clark Brandstetter. He attempted to block the bulldozer in the XL property, but Marvin just rammed the shit out of it and disabled it. Yeah, that was... No, this isn't the fight uphill yet, is it? No, no. No, that's after propane. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, either either way, both of these attempts were futile. They weren't even a challenge at all. No. It, it just swatted him away. Yeah. Now, the other attempt was made by former Grand Lake Fire Chief Brett Howcraft. Uh, who was an employee of the nearby independent gas company. What he decided to do was run up to the bulldozer, the killdozer, <sighs> carrying a 20-pound 20 20 pound propane bottle fitted with a hose 
and attempted to pump the propane gas into the vehicle's air intake in the hope of making its engine over-rev and blow up. Unfortunately, he was not successful. Yeah. Yeah, I might know that a little bit. I didn't Mm -hmm. know that. Seems very safe on both their parts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's a fire chief. Come on. Safe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So after exiting the XL parking lot, he swung his armored bulldozer across County Road 60 and drove down a dirt road which descends the hillside to the independent gas company facility. Once in the company's yard, Marvin reportedly maneuvered the bulldozer around so he could shoot at some propane tanks with his 50 caliber Barrett. Yeah. What we didn't mention earlier is that not only was it a 50 cal, he had explosive rounds. His, his 50 cal was fitted with explosive rounds. Yeah, he was trying to puncture, <clears throat> apart from exploding them, he's trying to puncture them and shoot at transformers. So hopefully the sparks would ignite the propane as well. Yeah. Um, and there's video of him this shooting also out. also seems the... really safe. So safe, but he's in a killdozer, so. <laughs> <clears throat> killdozer. Um, but there's video of him shooting his, his Barrett out the back. Uh-huh. And... He he didn't align the portholes up properly. You could shoot if you're if he put the um, the barrel directly out of it, he could shoot straight. But if he tried to shoot at an angle, he just hit the inside of his armor. Yeah, he, he had that the, middle area, so you can see him trying to shoot his fifty cal at the back, and you just see these massive puffs of smoke. puffs of smoke because he's just hitting his own armor. And those were explosive rounds. So <laughs> I wonder if yeah. that felt or good on his, the inside of that. How well that well, felt incendiary rounds not explosive rounds but yeah either way you can see the puff of smoke because they were not normal rounds and they're 50 cal you just hear it dink and then smoke yeah can you imagine being inside of there shooting a 50 cal no (laughs) he had to be wearing earplugs but Uh, also can you imagine he was deaf he had been can you imagine if he had been successful yeah so once he got down there and they they noticed he was starting to shoot um they put out a um the police dispatchers alerted um, all officers to vacate a thousand yards around the property because yeah. that shit freaking blew up. So just up. go home at this point. Go <laughs> to your next town. Uh, yeah, just get away because if that shit goes, it's going to go. Yeah, there was like a senior citizen's home up the up the hill a bit that would have got taken out if one of those had gone off. There was, there was a bunch of shit that would have, like a lot of shit would have been straight up leveled if any one of those had gotten actually hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were massive tanks. It's huge. So, again, because he had not properly uh, aimed his weapons out of the the portholes and he he didn't have the proper line of sight, um, he also didn't put his guns right where his cameras were, so he couldn't really aim his shots with his his cameras. Uh, He just gave up and then began driving back up. (laughs) Yep. Is this a sign from God that he's not supposed to do this? Yep. God said, you shall not blow this town up, sir. So I said, okay. Okay. Yeah, well, God. You got it. You, got well, it God. You, you know what? I'll just go crash into some shit. <laughs> so uh, that's when he began driving back up the dirt service road to get back into town. Um, and that's, that's, that's the, when he was met. Yeah, that's yeah. when there was an earth mover trying to block the, the service road and he just pushed it out of the way. Yeah, they figured that they had the weight, like the they have the high ground. It's over, Anakin. Um, but, you know, they figured they had the weight going down and the kill is going up. So they figured, well, he's going to lose that battle because all that weight coming down, he's no way. Nope. The fucking kill are just 
do 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 just oh oh something's in my way i don't even notice like he, he literally just pushed it the fuck out of the way not not even slowing down mm-hmm. you're just pissing off the toddler <laughs> yeah. yeah but now you could see and it was it was pretty obvious that he was having some engine problems because there was some thick black smoke that was coming out of the exhaust yeah um, so he had to turn it off and restart it and that's when Kremlin police officer scott spade brought in a gift yeah, he said that, didn't he? <laughs> Brought yeah. in his own 50 cal BMG with armor piercing ammo. Sergeant Gardner Man, fired six shots. Nope. Yeah, six shots at at the killdozer. But the rounds just uh, bounced off. I I clicked it, it didn't play. That's yeah, okay. No, it's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> I heard the loud click. <clears throat> yeah. They didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> 50 cal BMG armor piercing <laughs> rounds didn't do shit. Just took off the paint yeah that was it so now he's coming back up the hill law enforcement they're out of ideas out of ideas trainer said grand county dispatch was told to contact the colorado national guard to request a military aircraft to be sent with weapons that could destroy an armored vehicle yeah that anti armor rounds like from a plane yeah they're like they can you drop a fucking bomb dude yeah. they're like can you bring in an apache with hellfire <laughs> missiles or a fire team with um like missile launchers handheld missile launchers yeah but the they weren't fucking made, around anymore yeah they're like bring in the military this ends now yeah but the national guard did not respond until hours later and then and there's also late- another team from another city that was going to be there in eight hours or something like that yeah, a lot of people were starting to respond to this, but it, this is only a two-hour and seven-minute thing. So I think we're almost done with. It. I think we're at hour yeah. forty-five now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and trainer found out later that um, under federal law, American military forces cannot be employed against or deployed against civilian targets unless a state of martial law has been first declared by higher civilian authorities. So even if well, that's someone good, answered, even if someone answered at the National Guard, they're like, "Did you guys declare martial law?" No, then we're not coming. I mean, I guess that's that's good to know you, that they can't just <laughs> call air strike. Still get a helicopter. <laughs> yeah, can't just airstrike you. Mm-hmm. I'm so now curious back up to on see the, though if that would have worked though. Like, no. <laughs> at this I think point, I don't think it would have helped. We'll talk about we'll talk about at the end why that would not probably have worked. It might have. If no, they would, I don't think if they would have hit the no. tracks. They might have been able to disable it, not yeah. not blow it up. But I think they would have been able to disable it. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's not the a, way to know. Not an my, expert. My money's on the kill dozer, dude. My money's on the kill dozer. Yeah. Kill dozer. <laughs> I kept thinking that was part of the song, but it will. <laughs> no, that's me. <laughs> Extended version. <laughs> so now back up on the hill, Marvin drove around the uh, Wrangler tire store, upending a trailer, damaging two cars, and then driving past the 7-Eleven store back onto Agate Avenue. He veered onto the sidewalk in the next block, clipping off the entrance stairs of the copycat printing office. His intended target was the Gamble store owned by Casey Farrell, a former Granby Town board member. Marvin's bulldozer then tore off the front of the Gamble store and plowed deep into the store on its west side. 
And this is where the rampage finally ends. Is this the guy, Emily, in the dock with the weird facial hair? No, that is the the stand-in mayor who states that he is the only person and the owner of this building who knew what was about to happen happens, like how it was going to happen. That weird facial hair dude, this dude mm-hmm. who owns this building is the dude with the weird nose. Sorry, man. Oh, okay, gotcha. Casey, whatever. Not bad. <clears throat> yes, all of that. <laughs> <clears throat> so as the... Um, as Marvin was going down the west side, just tearing up the walls, that's when the the Earth Mover comes back into play mm-hmm. and kind of blocks this little alleyway behind him, so he doesn't have an exit. He can't go back. He just has to. He probably could have, but it would have been in reverse, mm-hmm. and he might not have been able to push his way through it. So he just had to continue down the alley, tearing out the side of this building like a freaking can opener until yeah, orange <clears throat> smoke. Yeah, point. so he had blown the radiator, and again, one of the dis- the one thing I guess he didn't foresee was the lack of airflow going to or through the radiator. So he was overheating his engine basically the whole time. Um, and so now that he was back up destroying things again, it was just too much, and he you could tell that his uh, radiator blew. He just white smoke pouring out everywhere. Yeah, you slowing down too. It was like. You yeah, he was just like chunking. Yeah, he was losing steam. Yeah, and he got to a point in that building where there was a basement, and as the roof collapsed, it also collapsed the floor, the first floor. Um, so his right side tracks fell into the basement and essentially disabling it. He can he can't move anymore. And, and that's what no one knew about. He didn't know that there yeah, was a basement what, in that building. Mm. He didn't know, but the the guy with the weird facial hair knew. Yeah, yeah, he's probably like, hey, if he comes through here, he's probably going to fall into the basement. Mm-hmm. That's why they blocked that one alleyway, so he would continuously drive through that one side, so they knew that he'd fall into the basement. Hmm. Smart. Or, or they just said that after the fact. Like, it was our probably. plan all along. Yeah, it was our. It was yeah. definitely not just happenstance. No, I'm pretty sure that was just. It wasn't just sheer luck. We did this on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so again, disabled it. Tracks are mm-hmm. spinning in the air, and that's when uh, they said it might have come to an end by other means had he not fallen to the basement because they were bringing in more heavy uh, machinery uh, like the earth movers to like mm-hmm. blockade him in essentially. Um, but in either case, they didn't need it. He screwed himself. Um, so now that it's immobilized, the sheriff's deputies swarmed over their disabled vehicle who stopped protruded above the wreckage. And about a minute after it came to a halt, SWAT team leader, Norm Rimmer reportedly heard a shot from the interior of the bulldozer. Authorities had speculated later that it was Marvin committing suicide with one of his handguns. And the county coroner's report later confirmed that Marvin had shot himself in the head with his 357. Yeah, before that, though, they they didn't know what to expect next. So, like, the SWAT, wherever it showed up, like, you could hear them in the video, like, talking to each other. Like, you'll go over there, you, you line up here, like, they're, like, ready for a gunfight. Mm-hmm. The they're dude who for- responded is wearing... Like socks with sandals and tennis shoes, or um, yeah. and shorts, like jean shorts. Like he is clearly not prepared to like jump on this thing, and like possibly fight this dude. But he didn't care. He's a badass. 
Okay. We just had a short vest and again, it's like, cool, let's do it. We didn't, we didn't hit on it either earlier, but during his rampage, he actually bent the barrel of the Mini 14. So it was inoperable almost immediately. And the uh, FNC was damaged also pretty quickly on. So all he had left was his 50 cal anyway. Yeah. And I mean, he, he was popping shots here and there. Um, mm. It his in, They say his intention was never to, to hurt or kill anyone. I, how but you, you they were saying like oh it's, three three yeah. guns shooting at cops what way it's lucky no one got shot it wasn't intentional it was lucky yeah that's what they said they said it's by sheer luck that he didn't hit anyone didn't kill anyone and that he wasn't able to hit those propane tanks because mm-hmm. then this would God's be a completely plan. different story God's plan. oh 100 percent God's plan now. Because of how outrigged this thing was, uh, authorities were relatively apprehensive in what to do next. They didn't know if it's booby-trapped. So after hearing that gunshot, they kind of pulled back um, and did a security perimeter. And Granby quickly became an armed camp with hundreds of law enforcement officers converging on the scene. So apart from the Grand County Sheriff's deputies and the local Colorado State Patrol, Um, they also saw SWAT teams from Jefferson and Laramere counties, uh, Denver's federal Heights, the summit County Sheriff, um, Rocky mountain national park, the U S forest service, the Colorado division of wildlife and agents of the Colorado Bureau investigations, and also the ATF. ATF. So they just said, they just said, call everybody Mm -hmm. and everybody came. Yep. Bring everyone in. We don't know. Except the national guard. They can't come. Correct. No martial law yet. All right. So the, uh, what's that? Nothing. Nothing. Colorado's governor, Bill Owens, arrived by helicopter Friday afternoon and consulted with the ground county sheriff, um, Rod Johnson, along with the Granby mayor, Ted Wang, the county commissioners. (laughs) Johnson and Wang? Johnson and Wang. Can't, this can't town make this is stuff run up. by a bunch of dicks, dude. Yeah, <laughs> bunch of dicks. So during Jesus. the initial crisis, traffic on Highway 40 was temporarily closed. Once Marvin's rampage came to an end, traffic was rerouted um, on a dirt road along the south side of town. The parking lot of the 7-Eleven, which was about 100 yards from where Marvin's um, kill dozer was located. Oh fuck! I missed it. It's okay. <laughs> became the tactical (laughs) operations center for the effort to end the crisis. Demolitions experts from the Jefferson County and Larimer County bomb squads assembled explosive charges um, for the operation on the sidewalk outside of the store. They're going to blow the shit up. That was the plan. That was the plan. So after they made their preparations, authorities moved everyone back another block. SWAT team members then crept up to Marvin's disabled vehicle, attached the charges and then detonated, the first one being at about 10.42 p.m. Yeah, just to put this into context real quick, so his rampage started at 2.04 p.m. At 4.11 p.m., he was the gunshot was heard. So two hours and seven minutes, and this is 10.42 at night when the mm-hmm. first charge goes off. Mm-hmm. Now, this attempt was to blow off one of the tracks to prevent it from moving on the assumption that Marvin might still be alive inside. About 15 minutes later, the demolition team attached and then detonated the main breaching charge against the left side of the armored bulldozer. 
the charge proved unable to penetrate the metal and concrete. Now, over an hour later, another attempt was made to breach the dozer. And after multiple failed attempts to blow their way yeah. in, they yeah, resorted the, to... The three massive... They said that you could hear or feel the windows shake and like see the windows shake blocks away. These were these were there massive was, explosions. Wasn't there a dude who said in the next town, which I mean is not probably very far away from where yeah. he... Yeah, these were mass. These were not but he like felt the stuff shake his house in the next town. Yeah, these were not little attempts. These were massive explosions, and everyone says that they did little more than burn off the paint. Not a dent in it. They just charred the paint, and that's all it did. Because he had painted it. We didn't talk about it, but we had he had painted this thing like black. Yeah, it did not look painted. It looked like it was just metal, like a rat rod. Yeah, it was metal as fuck. You're right. Yeah, so metal. Fuck, fucking metal. Yeah. Hill dozer. <laughs> so after failing to blow their way in, they decided to cut their way in. The oxyacetylene torch? Acetylene. Acetylene? Whatever. You're dude, not the I first one to say it wrong. Don't work in the biz. I don't know. Dude, the oxy torch. Yeah, the first, yeah, that's it's crazy. It. It's crazy how many people I listen to not like some kind of some guy said some kind of specialized torch. Another guy said oxyacetylene, and like it's oxyacetylene. It's just a regular fucking cutting torch. I would guys. say oxyacetylene also because like the, the way chemical. It's yeah, but the way it said, is, isn't it acetylene? These are this is an everyday tool for me. Like, is this really that strange? Like, to yeah, call oh, just it a some, specialized cutting torch. Oh, well, no one like, carries it around. It's like. Hey, go get the torch no, and cut through freaking steel. Okay. You need gas. You need that truck to pull up and have two types of gases to run it. But still, it's a pretty normal fucking tool. It's just a cutting torch. Yeah. For and people really, that for normally like, cut metal, but not the normal everyday, the everyday person. person. I guess. But it just I mean, we could list a whole bunch of words you can't say too, okay? I don't garage. think you could, but that's Oh, fine. medications. I bet we could list a whole bunch of them that you can't say. So don't start. Okay, fine. Uh, in any case, but yeah, it, it's torch. a cutting torch. It's just an oxycetylene regular fucking torch. Okay, nothing special about it. It what it does is it burns <laughs> metal. That's its purpose. So, it's so they brought in the, the special torch, uh, and finally at two a.m. they were able to cut their way in, and that's when they saw Marvin Hemeyer deceased, single gunshot wound to the head with his three fifty seven. Um, another thing, I think they cut from the top. If I remember, they cut that yes. hatch that he had. So. If he was alive, after they cut with the torch, he's no longer alive. That produces so much slag, so much molted metal, and it's such a small space that he would have been burned, or the oxygen would have been burned up in that thing. He would have been dead after that torch. There's no fucking way he wouldn't have. It is just cutting like a piece of metal at work. There is You have to move your boots out of the way. Like It will burn the fuck out of you. So... We're not yeah, going to put the had... picture of his dead body, but you can Google it, and his body is on there. But he does not have burns. Did you notice that? No, I didn't notice it. He doesn't what have burns his... on the top of his head, and I expected him to, and he does not. Yeah, because because I know how much and how thick this metal is. It produced a lot of molten metal. So if if it didn't get burned, I, dude, it would have burned like, up the where oxygen. It was, okay, so like if you have this Was his Hawaiian shirt burned? Yes, he was wearing a Hawaiian shirt and it was not burned. But what I'm saying I, is I where they cut the initial him. hole it was. was over and then down. So like they were able to get it off somehow and Maybe. open the the slot like the slot above where he actually was is not where they initially cut the hole oh, to get okay. to the so bottom they part. Did it off to the side? Yeah. 
Oh, okay. That explains that then. But either way, I think it would have burnt up his oxygen because it, it creates a lot of smoke. For sure that, me. yes. Yeah, you can see a picture of the, the hole they cut and you can see all the, like the edges. You can see how much slag was like, was running down it. Mm. It's pretty gnarly. And you can see how thick the freaking armor was. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so under the supervision of Grand County Coroner's uh, Dave Schoenfield, Marvin's body was finally pulled from um, his dozer at about 10.30 a.m. Saturday morning using an actual crane to pull him out. Yeah. And at about 2.30 p.m., two D8 bulldozers were used to push and pull the armored bulldozer onto Agate Avenue where it was loaded on a trailer and taken away to a storage area on the west side of Granby. Now, the question was, what do we do with this thing? Residents wanted to use it for a tourist attraction. Um, that was eventually um, shot down. Shut down. Yeah. And instead, they just cut it up and sent it to different uh, metal recycling facilities so people wouldn't try and take souvenirs from it. Yeah, they completely deconstructed so for the sole purpose that no one would venerate and take take pieces to commemorate Imagine this event. Imagine how big their town could be today if they would have this huge... It still is. We're talking about it now. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, people would visit. They'd you have more need... than a stoplight. Just like, what's it called? Um, uh, Dahmer's apartment. I think that's no longer there. But BTK's house is no longer there. Like, people destroy things because of the attachment to it. And, you know, um, and fucking... Places in New Orleans that people just don't know anything about. Well, I mean, you can't... Those are historical landmarks. You can't do anything about it. But, um... But who else did that? Like uh, Ed Gein, his house was burned to the ground because they didn't want to have this souvenir of how these atrocious events, like the townspeople burned that shit to the ground, you know, and I don't blame them. I wouldn't want a reminder of this shit every day. Like he didn't kill anybody, but he, he, oh, he scarred did millions. Uh, he did millions of dollars of damage and like brought this town to his knees, essentially. I mean, kind of. He kind of made the town better because they rebuilt and it's better than ever. But for a, for a years, a couple years at least, he brought that down to his knees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, there's a lot of mental. Oh yeah, scars yeah, as well. There's a lot it's of not PTSD just, along with that. Yeah, it's not monetary. Like there's a lot of uh, mental anguish from his yeah, destructive spree. A yeah, killdozer driving through your town would not be cool to see at all. Like it's cool to like talk about and like holy shit that thing's badass. But in reality, I think I would not. I would not like it if that thing was driving down my street. No, that'd be terrifying. So all in all, 13 buildings were damaged, causing nearly $7 million in damages. I've seen the, the way that people have venerated Marv and praised him after the fact, without even really knowing what happened or the facts of the situation, has been repeated in many of the rampages and tragedies in America since then. Said Patrick Brower, an editor who worked in the newspaper office Marvin destroyed. How many people lose petty zoning fights with the government in America? Everybody. All the time. That's not an excuse to go out and tear the town to pieces and shoot at people. Anyway, hey, I hope you all have a great time and a good life. I've had a great life. And uh, it's Saturday morning, uh, the 22nd of May, 2004. And I'm going to put this tape and tape recorder in a plastic bag somebody else can try to figure it out we'll see you later killdozer yeah that was his uh, day I graduated 
final write-off. Yep. And Someone else can deal with it. Mm-hmm. And that's Marvin Hemeyer. Yeah, man. I, I I watched a couple of YouTube videos on this, obviously. I watched, I listened to a lot of the Marvin tapes on YouTube. You can find them there, obviously. Uh, but the comments underneath are fucking stupid. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you. They they think this guy's a fucking hero somehow. They think this guy's a martyr for the, you know, fight the man, fuck fuck the power or whatever, you know powers of be taking down the, the government no 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 he was a fucking i'm gonna say it again will he is a man child who threw a domestic terrorist hissy fit this but is a be tantrum clear in your stance that you're a fuck the system kind of guy and you still think oh this. yeah yeah i'm i'm absolutely fuck the government everything that they do and stand for uh but this isn't the way this is especially He's since he wasn't really clubber. fucking done wrong he this is do, an act of domestic terrorism that's literally all it is and i i don't agree with it at all i don't think he's any kind of martyr or hero in the least i don't think he was even warranted i don't think this was even they didn't do enough because so he bought the land for 42k that, that initially started the problem he sold it for 400k that's 10 times the value that he earned on that he wasn't fucked on anything I mean, they offered him the easement for basically free. He had an out there. Uh, I mean, this there's no homeboy was even going to give him an outlet when he bought it. Like they right other when they people, connected, yeah, yeah. So he just was being a little bitch. Like sorry, Agreed, yeah. I, I don't think this is warranted in the least, man. <laughs> Not even a little bit. I don't think the town, even though, like I said, this was a good old boy town, they probably were out, not out, they weren't like having fucking meetings about it, but they were out like. I don't agree if, with that. I do think that they were having meetings about it. This was a good old boy town, and I do think they were having meetings. But they I were don't like, think how are we going to fuck with Marv today? No, just like, okay, if you got to think about it, there's 1,900 people in this town, and this is one business that they are fucking over because maybe, you know, the Thompsons have pretty much run this town. They're yeah. friends with Cody Docheff. All of the other businessmen and town hall people are on the board. Like, yeah, they probably do know each other on a personal level and they do discuss things that happen with the city outside of city buildings. So, yes, they probably did all agree that he was being a little bitch. I'm saying they didn't have meetings being like, how are we going to fuck over Marvin today? What do we got going? Like, let's 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 make a plan to rezoning rezoning the property was probably the. That was a way to fuck him. Yeah, have a meeting to rezone that land to allow exactly. the concrete plant to be built, and n- no discussion with Marv whatsoever. Just all of a sudden, like, hey, guess and what? They didn't you take have neighbors. The people who live I'm, there's opinions on I, the matter that they never even discussed. Like, it, I don't think we just necessarily touched on it, but all of the things that Marv was presenting to the board, the board was like, oh yeah, we didn't think about that. So they made Cody Docheff t- change all of his like plans yeah. to practice his business. Yeah to fit in their little mold of how they believe the city should be run. So like, yes, he did bring things to their attention that they were not aware of before. And that's a good thing. But at the same time, they had already had it in their minds that he's not going to get what he wants. So like, let's just deal with that. And they did that. They did what they wanted to do. And that wasn't what he wanted. Hmm. But he still responded like a baby. What are your thoughts, Will? Um, Yeah, there is an element of, um, a little bit of favoritism regarding uh, who was going to be getting the property and how it was done. Um, but as far as everything else, it, it was more of him just sticking to his guns rather than um, taking the outs that he had. And I think, 
I think he was burned early on and that just stayed with him. No matter yeah, how many probably. like handouts or or things that they tried to make right with him after. Um I, I think he just got burned early on. Yeah, I think um Dochev is in a lot of this almost he was antagonistic. I'm not gonna lie. Dochev did a lot of things to really rile this guy up. But I mean, how many times in history have we heard of like deals someone murdering someone over a building or, you know, uh a company, you know what I mean? Like it, things get out of hand when it comes to property and businesses. I, I understand like Dochev was playing dirty, but he was playing within the means of the law as well. Like everything he was I doing was technically point, though, legal. They're playing like in the means of the law, but they're also playing their hand at his, like they know what will trigger him, what will piss him off. Like, like they're purposely doing these things to piss him off because even though, like they said, with like all of the things that they hadn't thought of with Cody having that like land and stuff and opening the batch plant there that like, yeah, Marv had good thoughts and like ideas that he presented to the townspeople and they were able to fight for their, you know, whatever. But still like he, I do feel like that they kind of were targeting him. Like these people yeah, were like specifically, like, but yeah, at okay. the same time, he like was, he's, responding he is completely he's, he's dead he's not helping the situation he's an outsider and these are the townspeople that have been there probably for generations these people it's a town of 1900 this town is probably like my great granddaddy built this town you know what i mean like it's it's one of them so he didn't live there he came from another town and he bought up this property fair and square he did buy up the property in legally and he just outbid the guy so that's dochev should have not been a little bitch on his part and accepted it however he did just like you're saying uh that uh, was Marv st- stuck to his guns. So did uh, Dochev. You know what I mean? He figured out a way to basically muscle him out by buying the property next to him and annoying the shit out of him, which he ended up doing. So they both stuck to their guns in very obnoxious ways, except for Marv actually destroyed a whole town. But, yeah. you know. I feel like Cody could have been on that level also though. Cody was like a Cody's a very very antagonistic. I'm not gonna lie. Like building the like literally butting up to his property and building a fucking cement plant. Like sure, his he had a muffler business. It's not like it was a clean business, but still, like that's annoying. And but what's so annoying about it? I could not get that. Like what is so fucking annoying about a concrete batch plant? It's not like the whole goddamn was, concrete. The property plant ever did is an access port to his. Uh, business. Yeah, they shared off. the little drive up and then they right. split into and their own little entryways. kept saying that the dust would be a problem and the noise. It's not like um, he's painting the cars, he's just working on them. Right, he's doing the muffler thing. So it's not a clean business, but either way, I, I think Cody and Marv were being little tantrum thrown children. That's what I think. All out. Not enough, not enough for Marv to destroy town, but you know, it is what it is. And I don't, it just Maybe annoys me how many people are like this. Concrete this is a this is a true patriot. This is you know this is America at its best. No, no, nope. He's I'm gonna call him a domestic terrorist again. He's a domestic fucking terrorist. He's been saying that like a hundred times a day. <laughs> since favorite, we his new favorite word <laughs> for when describing Marvin Hemar. Yeah, yeah, it is. For anything, Overall, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of domestic terrorist again, son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Someone cut him off yesterday. He's a domestic terrorist. <laughs> uh, well, that's all I got. That's, that's all I got. That's all I got. 
Check us out on our socials um, at Bloodthirsty Times on Facebook and Instagram, um, at, at Bloodthirsty Times on Twitter and TikTok, and you can email us at bloodthirstypod at gmail.com. That's bloodthirstypod at gmail.com. And that's bloodthirstypod at gmail.com. <laughs> Did I say it right? Yes. Okay. Anyway, don't forget to check us out on Paranormal Still. Throw them some love. Go check out their podcast. Give them some listens. Give them some feedback. Give us some feedback. How are we doing? What are your thoughts on this story? Do you agree with um, old Marv or is he a man-child domestic terrorist? And if you don't agree with the domestic terrorist part, please email Octavio personally. We call him a domestic <laughs> terrorist. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Don't be a domestic terrorist. See you next week. Bye. Bye.